conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. I'm your host, Deanna Chapman, and today I am joined by Ben Roberts and Sam Romsberg, and we are talking about their comic, Children of the Grave. Ben and Sam, how are you? What is up? I'm I'm okay. I'm surviving. (laughs) (laughs) Deanna, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I have fun reading comics, so anytime I get to talk about them on the podcast, it's a good day. There you go. That's awesome. So... To just jump right in, you guys co-wrote this, and it was released on Scout Comics. And usually when I'm talking to people about comics, one, it's not necessarily people who have made comics. Usually it's just me and friends talking comics. Or if I do talk to someone who has made comics, they were just like the single person doing this thing. But as co-writers, how does that work for you guys? Do you get in a Google Doc and just kind of make notes to each other in there? What's that sort of process like? Yeah, that's pretty much how we started doing it. Um, Sam initially came up with the idea and then we just, I added a little bit, he added a little bit and we would, we would, our our Google doc, our our scripts saved to a Google doc and just each, everyone kind of, we'd edit each other and work off of each other and just build and build and build off of each other's work. Hey, shout out to Google docs. (laughs) They are the best. Like sometimes we would, we would like want to call each other about ideas and stuff like that. But the cool thing about Google is that like, if you're in the same document, you can see what each other is like doing in real time. So we would like basically have like just a chat in the Google doc that we'd be typing back and forth to each other in while adding bits to the script. And also it's cool. Cause I don't know, Ben and I both came from like a music background. We met playing in bands. So I, I I think we're both very used to not being the sole person to create the thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's definitely, we're definitely used to it kind of being this like group effort. And I don't know if I ever like wrote a riff or something, I was never like, this riff is sick. I was always like, I'm going to ask my friends if this riff is sick. Because <laughs> I, I don't know. The other thing about being in a band that definitely ties into this kind of is that when you're in a band... Like you'll play a show and then as soon as you, you get done playing, you walk off stage and someone's like, Hey man, good set. This podcast right now is like if we walked off stage in 2019 and right now you're like, Hey, good set. Cause I'm trying to figure out what the hell the book was about that. We wrote it so long ago. Now I'm like, I have the Google drive folder open and I'm like, what, what, what was going on in this? Thing? <laughs> it was such a long time ago now. Yeah. It's, One of those things where someone will ask me, they'll be like, have you done a podcast episode on this? And I'm like, I have no idea. Let me check. Yeah, right. It's just like, because especially comics just take so long to get made. Like, I haven't really looked at a a script for Children of the Grave, I think, since 2019. Maybe going back to like edit a few things. But so just because, you know, everything has to be drawn, everything has to be printed, shipped every, you know, so. There was a big time delay because of... um like COVID shutting down, uh, you know, certain printing yeah. uh, plants, uh, Diamond Comics distribution kind of going on pause for a couple months. So the book got pushed back. Yeah, that's the big thing. Comics take so long to get made that, yeah, it's weird. I hadn't, I had never thought of it that way, Sam. You know what I mean? It's like we have been working on so much, just like so many other things too since then. It's just, it's crazy that, you know, 
this is the first time that we've had a work that's been in stores and stuff like that. And I'm still, we're still very new people in this business. So like, this is something we're still getting used to as well. You have a whole team behind this because of the fact that it was published on Scout Comics. But how did you go about finding an artist and colorist to work with? I think Sam just found our artist, uh, Joelle Filippo. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I totally like Americanized his name still. I still can't get it right. <laughs> I would have. But, but we call him Geo. Yeah. Geo is easy. Okay. Geo's our boy. Uh, Sam found Geo on Instagram. And I think, uh, you know, Geo at the time was a student of the Padova Italy School of Comics. So he's, a, he's, an, he's an Italian citizen. Um, and I think he was just looking for work. And we just got very lucky that he had not been contacted by anyone else because he's so talented. And he said yes to doing the book. And it just kind of took off from there. I know I don't want to say we gave him his first break because I think it would have happened inevitably. He's that talented. I think we just got to him first. I think we just beat everybody to the punch because he is, I want to work with him forever if he says yes. Because I think, you know, very soon he's going to pass up the level that we're at. <laughs> I'm just trying to, I'm trying to be like, Hey man, just uh, when you're at the top, just throw throw my name out there for something. Cause he's, he's insane. He is the reason I think, or not even, I think, I know he's the reason that the book did kind of get picked up to get started just because it looked, I think it looks so good. I think he just nailed the emotion of the book, the feeling of the book, just Everything that we thought the book could be, I think he just took to this level that we were not expecting. And it really kind of, it sounds kind of like, you know, we were saying we might have given him his first gig, but at the same time, he landed us a publisher with his art. So it was, it was very, very give and take. As far as the, the colorist, the colorist for the first two issues was our boy Marco Lesko. Um, he called the, the the first two, and then the last three was actually Gio's aunt, uh, Sarah. Okay. Colored those three. So she, like, he was like, hey, my aunt is also a uh, colorist. And we were like, that's what? Okay. <laughs> she, uh, That's like the craziest, coolest family of all time. So uh, yeah, and she absolutely killed it. Yeah. And for the listeners, if they don't know what this is about, basically, Earth has been reset and is now known as Terra. Life is kind of free from all of the things we don't necessarily love about it day to day, but there's something bigger going on. And you can definitely tell there are plenty of different horror influences in this. And obviously, if you have something titled Children of the Grave, kind of leans a little horror anyway, but what were some of your influences going into this? The biggest, I think, and most obvious influence is uh, <laughs> it's is Black Sabbath. For sure. The title of the book came where on the first day I kind of sat down to work on it. I have to listen to some sort of music when I work, whether that's you know the work I do at my day job, uh, computer work or whatever. I like to have noise. And listening to Black Sabbath's Master of Reality, that song came on listening, paying attention to the lyrics a little bit. It was like, oh, this kind of lines up with what we're trying to say with this book. And I texted Sam and was like, hey, can we name the book Children of the Grave? (laughs) And it was an absolutely yes, let's do it. That's so crazy. I have to be in like a sensory, like, what's the word? Sensory. 
deprivation. Yeah, well, I wanted to say deprivation. I don't, I don't, I don't know how you do that. I, I can't be in sensory deprivation because I then I start. Then I my, my no, no my own my own thoughts start creeping in, and then I'm like, oh, like we should go jump off a building. If I'm working, I have to be so focused on the thing I'm working on. If I lay in bed with silence, I'll hey, <laughs> that's 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 when you that's when you go to the dark place. Baby. <laughs> no, we um, we, yeah, it, it been. I had this idea. It was like October, and I was driving past like it was some it was some like ad for like a fall harvest, and I was like, "Harvest is such a badass word. What would a comic book name Harvest be about?" And I had this like shell of an idea, and I pitched Ben this Harvest thing, and he was like, "That sounds sick. That title gotta go. It's gonna be Children of the Grave." And I was like, "Yeah, that's why I asked Ben because he has good ideas." <laughs> we just we just like went with it from there spoiler alert the harvest it's about goddamn aliens dude okay um so (laughs) as far as like you know the actual horror influences i don't know that's (sighs) because you get a lot of like sci-fi elements and stuff in there and um Mm -hmm. logan's run is definitely a thing you're gonna feel like elements of like i don't like the village or children of the corn but that sort of weird like community Yep. vibe yeah. is there where something's obviously off. Look, I host a Stephen King podcast too, so I appreciate the Children of the Corn reference. For sure. That's 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 definitely a thing. That's awesome. I don't even know I don't even know if like uh the horror influence is something from pop culture. I think it is just like just what my own brain thinks is so scary. I just I don't know. Like I guess it's like sort of a manist- a manifestation of my own like anxieties or something that everything around me is not exactly what I think it is. And like that just scares the shit out of me. So I think that came kind of to a head with this and trying to like break free of that feeling is I think pretty, pretty prevalent in this. Yeah. And it shows throughout the story too, because at the beginning of the second issue, you have those handful of pages that are just, you know, this reddish brown and orange and you have all of these intense visuals, if you will. And it just adds so much to the story because like you said, it's kind of just stuff in your head and it's coming from Daniel's head basically throughout the story. So I think that worked really, really well. Definitely. That ties into it. I think, I think writing a very like anxious character was was probably easier than it should have been uh, <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know that's i haven't really thought of it that in that in that realm a lot uh, much but yeah i don't know i think just being like anxious and yearning for truth is something that i think can be scarier th- yeah. than anything especially if you're the only one doing it and kind of everything around you is pointing to the other side of that coin i think that can be terrifying and to actually push through it is like one of the hardest things I think you can do. And it was kind of fun to write a character that can do that, you know? Oh, absolutely. And as someone who really enjoys a lot of horror and sci-fi stuff, this just sort of hit a sweet spot for me. Awesome. And you have this incredible journey that Daniel goes through from start to finish. And I think focusing mostly on a singular character and sort of having everyone else around him build up the story works really well. Because when you think of things like these big, massive team books, for instance, like Justice League, or literally any 
superhero team book, probably, you kind of always feel like there's this one character that kind of gets shortchanged. And sometimes it's your favorite character. But with a story like this, you can really just hone in on one character, and then build a story around them and their circumstances. Was that kind of the thinking going into this? Or was that just a happy accident, if you will? So we start, Daniel is definitely an amalgamation of Sam and I at a certain point of our lives, probably, you know, late teens when we first met each other. Yeah. And when it started out, like Daniel, I feel like there was even more focus on Daniel, but kind of for like what the subtext is in the series, I didn't want Daniel to just be the only person that mattered. Mm -hmm. Um, So having the mother and having Cyrus, like you've got other characters that we're also still figuring out how to write, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) clearly the beats of the story are anchored to Daniel, but the character development is happening across all three of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, I think that's important or that was important during those stages of our lives too, where that, that kind of comes from, you know, cause you don't, you don't kind of grow alone. You know what I mean? Yeah. You grow with, 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 you know, your, your people, you, you cut out people that you're not growing with and you really latch onto the people that you are. And I think that's who Cyrus was meant to be. And that's who the uh, mother was meant to be. And I just, I don't know. I think that's also important, unimportant part of this is finding those people who do kind of click with what you're thinking and with what, what you're feeling rather than, you know, molding to what, what's immediately around you sounds mm-hmm. and looks like, you know, I don't know. I think it's important to have those kind of people. And definitely as the story kind of drew on, that's the focal point, the point that at the end of the book, kind of the other character, not to, I mean, we're, we're already kind of spoiling a little <laughs> bit, but the, the end of the book is like, Daniel's focusing on one of the other ones, you know, it's yeah. like, I, we got to do this for, for, for them, not for me, for them. So. Absolutely. And you mentioned earlier that it was a bit of a process to get this out there. You had been working on it a few years ago. What was it like getting to work with Scout Comics? Scout was awesome. It was our friend Brian uh, Wickman put out this book, Grit, with Scout. And we also knew Brian from our band days. And he was also into comics. And of course, starting that journey, we definitely kind of latched on to him and were asking about, you know, what he was doing, how it was going, who he was talking to. And Scout was this this group of people that he was kind of working with. So we, um, I think that kind of helped us out when we sent our pitch to them because we had this thing we had the whole first uh first book like written drawn like colored ever it was done mm-hmm. and i think we sent them the whole thing we're kind of like hi we're friends with brian he's from around where, where we're from maybe if we can if we can kind of tag team this thing and kind of hype up each other's stuff that, that that can be good and they i mean maybe like a week later they said yes and it was crazy because i mean and up until this point, I know at least for me, I I did this this other thing um, for a little bit prior, and it was just like pushing my own thing for you know like going to cons as as much as I can, uh, yeah. as much as I could. There was there was like a year period where I was doing like three or four cons a month, like every weekend I was trying to hit one with uh, my very good friend Adam, and pushing your own thing is is it's so fun, but it's so exhausting at the same time. Whereas this, it was like, Oh my God, it's just going to be in the store. You can just go get it. I can, you know, I don't have to drive a thousand miles and sit in like a warehouse 
in Kentucky <laughs> and try to convince people to buy it. I can just, it's going to be there. You know, that was huge. And that's completely thanks to Scout. Yeah. Ben, was it sort of the same thing for you? You were kind of getting out there trying to push some stuff at cons and then this happened or did you have a slightly different experience? This, this is the first thing I've ever written. Okay. So we got super lucky. Um, and I don't know. I, I I currently co-own a comic book store and I at the same time was working at the same comic book store when Sam and I were working on this originally. And I, there was just, we did a couple conventions, but like conventions, especially for writers are such a slog. Like it is yeah. just grinding because at one, everyone thinks you're, they, they ask if you're the artist and you're not, and I can't draw for shit. You're the last on the totem pole that they want to see there, you know, <laughs> yeah. truthfully. Really? They, you really are because it's like, okay, so you can't do anything. Why are you here? And we did a couple and it's just so hard. I was like, there's no way we're going to do this. So I think we had originally shifted our focus where I was like, well, let's just print like a thousand mm-hmm. and then we'll drive them to like, we'll, we'll sell them to comic book stores. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were just going to self-finance it that way. So we got super lucky I mean, we pitched to a lot of places. A lot of places said no. It's so hard to pitch to when you have no credits. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's hard to get somebody to take that chance, you know? And that's the biggest thing I think we can thank Scout for is that we were just these two guys with nothing really to our name uh, as far as experience that counts with what we're trying to do. And they saw something in it and said yes, which was huge. And another point to the whole like trying to sell your book at a con or something like that. The con is so hard just because this is no one's fault, but a lot of people like aren't even there to find their next favorite comic book. Right. You know, it's like you're there for the experience of it. A lot of people are there to see cosplay or see whoever the guests are, or they're like people just trying to root through long boxes to complete their their some run of an old an old book, you know? And it's it's so hard to get somebody to like take a chance on this new thing and you're just pitching all day and pitching and pitching and it's just it really is a sl- not to sound like it's like manual labor or something like right. that, but you it is a, it is a, a bit of a slog because most of them say no, you know? So it was so huge to just be able to walk into a comic book shop and it's like, "Oh my god, look, it's my book. Nobody's buying it." Well, from the looks of it at the back of this, plenty of people bought it. Some people got tattoos. That's great. Yeah, it was us. (laughs) Did you like it? I didn't even ask that. Were you into it? (laughs) Yeah, I thought this was fun. Thank you. Up top. We we watched a YouTube video. This guy was in a basement full of Transformers. And he said, this was the worst thing I've ever read. This this could be used as a guide on how to not write comic books. So I'm glad you enjoyed (laughs) it well i am not like men on the internet so that is the best thing you can be that's awesome (laughs) some of them are very grumpy oh my god you're telling me but no i loved reading this because right away even before you start to dive into the issues when you have you know sort of that credits page and like the overview of the town i was like this reminds me of stephen king i love this already cool that's awesome that's so awesome. It has like those creepy small town vibes that I think work really well. And one thing I've noticed when reading stuff from 
indie publishers and, you know, people who are self-funding things is the books don't need to be as big and massive in story even as something like what you'll find with Marvel and DC, because those are going big all the time, pretty much. And Mm -hmm. it's funny because I have mentioned that I don't love like the big giant comic book events. Like I'll read Civil War or something, but I'm not going to read the 58 tie-in issues to Civil War. Like it's just too much. And I love very contained stories. And that's exactly what this is. And because I love horror and sci-fi too, I feel like some people just read stuff that they know they're not going to like. And I'm like, why are you doing that? I mean, look, I watched a lot of bad stuff for my Stephen King podcast, (laughs) but it's because I love Stephen King, not because I was like, I am going to hate this. (laughs) No, I, so I, I agree with keeping it small, especially, I think that was a pretty strong goal of ours when we started to kind of talk about this, especially as, new to this whole thing is Mm -hmm. we didn't want to make something that was so big and so elaborate. And, you know, I think that's a hard sell kind of, I think that's a hard pitch. I think what we were trying to do with this is have an idea that is very, you know, it's very focused and be able to tell a story as best as we can with a couple characters and then a, a, a pretty, you know, straight line and get from point A to point B in a way that kind of keeps people invested in what we're saying. So I think that's as far as, you know, being new people trying to write, I think that's something that worked for us is just trying to keep it as localized as we could without getting just because I think those huge ideas are everywhere. I think it's so hard to like sell game of Thrones, you know, Mm -hmm. it's so hard to sell Lord of the Rings. It's if you're like, Hey man, some aliens show up it's pretty dicey that's uh, easy you know what i mean it's yeah. easy to digest it's easy to kind of kind of take in and then yeah most new people what i've seen who are trying to write their first comic book they want to do like their big like they've got they've got they've written like you know 100 pages of the bible of the, like, how their universe works or like all oh, this yeah. stuff where it's like no one is going to buy that that was me. I, that was my first book. My th- the first thing I ever tried to do, I was like, "Yeah, it's gonna be like it's gonna be like two hundred issues or something." <laughs> no one gonna, wants that. Nobody wants that. No, it's yeah. Not everything can be saga, and exactly. I think it's important for especially newer creators to sort of remember that because saga was not the first thing Brian K. Vaughn did. He had done so many things. He was doing TV before he did saga, so he had time to sort of dig into the creative world before building this massive thing. And I love Saga, don't get me wrong, but it's a lot. Like I had read through, I think, the first six volumes of it, and then I didn't have the last three. And now that it's back, I'm like, well, I can't remember everything that happened. So I have to go Mm -hmm. back and start it from the beginning and work my way back to, you know, whatever issue it's going to run until now. Yeah. I wish I had written Saga. I would like <laughs> I would like the Saga money that Brian Tavon has made. Oh my god. I had to do with with the uh, Walking Dead. I was going month month to month with the with the the Walking Dead for a while and then, you know, it got to the point where I was like, I'm just going to wait for it to be done. And then my my very good friend who owns a comic book store, Ben, 
Oh, hit me, hit me a couple, a couple weeks later. And was Did like, I break hey, the news to you that it was you ending? Broke it, you broke it to me and I broke it to my comic reading friends. You were like, no way. And I was like, no, it's done. Surprise, surprise ending like two days from now. Yeah. And I was like, okay, sweet. I can, I can finish it now. Cause I can just sit down, binge it the rest of the way out. Did you feel satisfied by the end of that book? I don't remember. I literally don't remember. I think I was like, I was definitely bummed because I feel like it kind of came out of nowhere. I wanted to be mad at it, but I think I was okay with it. I think I think when I read it, I was like, all right, you did it, whatever. How did you feel about it? I never got past the the whispers. I could never get past that. I just was like, I like they introduced like another like group and I was like, I'm done. You got the good stuff. <laughs> it gets it gets it it gets kind of rinse and uh repeat near the end but probably why they ended it probably why, and now the show's ending thank god yeah i never got into the show it was kind of like game of thrones for me i was like eh. what is norman Reedus gonna do now man just go back to working at walmart like <laughs> you said you haven't watched that show i have not hey you and i packers not watching the walking dead <laughs> You get me. Who is Daryl Dixon? I I hate that guy. <laughs> that's that's Norman Reedus, man. He was oh in he God. was in Boondock Saints. Boondock Saints. Boondock Saints is sick. I don't give a shit who Daryl Dixon is. <laughs> but Boondock Saints wasn't. Oh, wasn't uh the guy from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? The other brother? Yeah, I mean, but he's not the guy from Guardians of the Galaxy. He's a guy from. He's Yondo, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Screw Guardians of the Galaxy. He was he was in Mallrats. <laughs> Michael Rooker. Yeah, Michael Rooker. Thank you. Holy shit, he was in Mallrats. <laughs> yes. Oh, dude, that's like finding out that Paul Dano was in the uh, Girl Next Door. He was in the Girl Next Door. He, I just was. I'm watching The Sopranos. He's in The Sopranos. He's Anthony Junior's friend in The Sopranos, man. It's amazing. <laughs> Paul, hey, shout out Paul Dano, man. He's writing. <laughs> he's writing uh, the Riddler now. It's topical. Yeah, would yeah. you co-write with you? You want to work with Paul Dano? B? Yeah, what celebrity would you want to work with? I don't want to meet any celebrity ever. That's how, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. But if I saw James Hetfield walking down the same side of the street as me, I would cross the street and walk the other way. <laughs> I think I love him more than any other person. But like, what would we talk about? I would want I would want to go up to him and be like, "Bro, injustice for all," and I would want him to be like, "I dude, I know I wrote that shit, man." <laughs> but like the Venn diagram of him creating it and me like perceiving it, I don't even think it touches. We have nothing in common ever, you know. <laughs> I don't want to meet anyone, anybody famous, especially NFL super pro coming back, Marvel Comics, Aaron Rodgers. No, he'd give me COVID. He's not vaccinated. <laughs> You'll kill me. <laughs> you throw a football at my head. Any any comic like writer? If I could work with like a comic writer or artist? Oh shit! Or artist? Oh, if I writer would be uh, Garth Ennis for sure. Garth Ennis maybe Ed Brubaker. I would. I would writer Jason Aaron. Okay. Very good. But I want to get that. I want to dig up that that deep that deep that scalped Jason Aaron. Is he like good? Yeah, yeah, he's good. I, I, I emailed him the other day. Wait, wasn't he like diet canceled for the like Pocahontas thing? He, it, I think it worked out. I don't think Jason Aaron meant to do anything wrong. Okay, I don't even know what was going on. I don't yeah, either. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, like he's 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 good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. I don't want to. I don't want him to get fucking Warren Ellis. Artist Jorge Fornes. I have a ghostwriter story. Ooh. That I want to do so badly that if Marvel was ever to let me, I would want to work with Jorge, Jorge Fornes. Uh, it would be 
the best ghostwriter story ever. Artist is hard. I'm, uh, unfortunately, I'm trying to think. Most of the people I would want to work with have, like, unfortunately passed on. Like mm. Steve Dillon, for sure. What's that guy? That drew Batman forever. Leon, what's his name? John Paul Leon. Yeah, John Paul Leon. That guy. He was like next level. You know what, Ben? I want Ben to draw something for me. <laughs> oh, remember I was taking com- commissions at that one convention, and I drew the Punisher sawing Donnie Kate's head off. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why. That's why, that, that's why I pick you, man. So that's, that's I will draw our Punisher uh, event that we do for Marvel in 25 years when they finally <laughs> recognize us. It's going it to be called Marvel War Zone. Everyone gets a bandana and an Uzi. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. Okay, yeah. Peter Parker, Spider-Man, bandana, Uzi. Cap, Uzi. bandana, Uzi. <laughs> Love it. We're just brainstorming things over here. I think if I wrote a comic, I would want Francesco Francovia to draw it. For sure, yeah. Very, very good. The art is just so, so good. I, I did an episode on Batman the Black Mirror semi-recently. and Yeah. Awesome. That art and Jock's art, it's just... It's so much goodness all in one comic, but you know, with you guys, what's next? I, I think I think we're we're kind of close enough that we can talk about it now. We have another book um, getting ready. It's like the final the final uh, touches on the art are kind of uh, happening right now uh, through uh, Behemoth okay. Comics. Um, uh, this this story called rock and roll hell that we've been working on for a little bit a band is playing their it's a united states death metal band the year is 1991 they're playing their first headlining festival in europe helsinki sweden they're playing the rock and roll hell festival and right before they start playing jesus decides this is the best time to start the rapture he's going to start it right here at this festival it's full of sinners and the band has to fight the forces of heaven with the power of uh, rock and roll. Nice. After Children of the Grave, I feel like we poured a lot of ourselves into it and we wanted to do something that was short, sweet, and just like very, very, it is definitely satire. Uh, yeah. <laughs> only fun. Like Children of the Grave is not fun <laughs> at all. Yeah, very serious. This this is definitely, like, like I think we said a little bit earlier, Ben and I met playing in bands. Mm-hmm. We wanted to, I think especially also with, Children of the Grave, we were, I wanted to try to make something that was marketable, sellable, you know, and then for this, it was just like, what do we know? What do we like? What do we want to be real? This is the least marketable, least sellable. It yeah. is, it, it will be the most blasphemous, most upsetting comic ever put to print. Yeah. And somehow like Behemoth was like, let's do it. So <laughs> shout out to Behemoth. They're the coolest people ever. I thought it was like kind of fun, but I now I'm like we will upset people. It might be a bad idea, but yeah, I don't know if stores are going to order it. It's <laughs> it's going to come out. Yeah, it'll be out there at least for sure. I'll I'll be happy to have it as a credit later in life. I'm sure. And Sam's still working on a lot of stuff. I mean, we, we, both of us are. We 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 both are constantly like talking about pitches and working on stuff. We I mean, this is definitely the goal is to do this. Until you know we can do it, I'd like to do this full time. I don't want my I hate my job. So, <laughs> like if we can if we can keep this going, that's what we're gonna try to do. So, but the next one that's official, that's like kind of right around the corner, is Rock and Roll Hell with uh, Behemoth. Nice. Well, I'm more than happy to check that one out. But is there 
Anything else you guys want to mention about Children of the Grave? Give it one last plug. David Desmalchin, the actor Shout from to that guy, the actor from the Suicide Squad. He said it is man. He compared it. To, I can't. I don't have his pull quote with me, but he was very nice. I love you, David. I, I hope you're listening. I wish you had won an Oscar for Dune. I hope you won an Oscar one day. He's an Oppenheimer. And David Desmouchin is like crazy talented. Yeah. He, he wrote a series called Count Crowley, comes out through Dark Horse. It's awesome. He wrote a pull quote, quote for the book. That is blows my mind every time I think about it to consider that guy a peer and a friend. When, when he said he would do it, like right after he said he would do it, we went to uh, New York Comic Con and he was on a billboard in Times Square. <laughs> it was like, holy shit. That guy knows Ben. The graphic novel collection, the trade paperback should be out very soon. There's a paper supply issue everywhere on everything. Yeah, it's common. It's just it, everything Everything is backed up right now. You, I, I was, I was, some artists I follow like today posted like, yeah, my, 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 my book is getting pushed back. There's not, there's not paper. So it's common. Everybody's, everybody's working on it. Yeah. Well, everyone go check it out once it's out and Ben and Sam, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Seriously.